It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hour number two of Green and Growing just beginning. And yeah, it's Ashley Frasca. No, I am not with you until 9 o'clock as usual today. We've got a Georgia football weekend. So that means the uh, Georgia Bulldogs kick off in Athens at noon today, hosting the Missouri Tigers. So you rewind four hours and that's where the pregame and the tailgate and all of that begins at 8 a.m. So uh, Dave Baker will probably be preempted to some time tomorrow if you're going to miss the Home Fix It show. But you've got me for another hour. 404-872-0750. You've had some great calls so far this morning and I hope those continue. And just kind of a follow-up from the end of the last hour, uh, Mike and Jasper calling about house plants and making sure to keep the bugs off of them and all of that before you bring them in. Walter and I talked a little bit about that at 630, but, you know, five really good ideas and things to do as far as bringing these things in and and making them houseplants and overwintering them okay and keeping them healthy. Um, Inspect them before bringing them indoors is what Mike and I were talking about. Make sure there's no signs of pests or disease. And believe it or not, if they show any signs of disease, Probably a good idea to quarantine them. I know that sounds silly, but make sure that they're not in the same room as or next to other plants that are healthy. Um, Also, expect new plants to drop leaves or at least have some that are yellowing. That is okay. That's completely normal when you're bringing them from the outdoors to the indoors. So don't freak out. That's just a little sign of shock. It's nothing you're doing wrong Um, because the light level is going to be a lot different than what they're used to. Um, Number three, don't place plants in trouble spots. We've kind of spoken about that. Not in front of a drafty door or window. Not right up above a vent on the floor that's going to be blowing that dry heat. A lot of these, especially the tropicals that we talk about, like with Pike Nursery and all of that, they like the humidity, so they don't need to be in a completely dry room. Uh, Number four, provide the right light. And honestly, if you've had a houseplant for so long and somehow you've managed to keep it alive and you just don't remember what the light needs are, you can go to a Pike Nursery location and actually go in the store. And I love looking at the houseplants because they have them separated out and there's a big overhead sign. These are low light. These are medium light. And these are highlight as far as what their light requires. And find the one you've got at home and be like, oh, that's a Chiffalera. I know the light requirements of that. Bring it home, use a, a piece of white paper, lay it down on the table or something nearby and see the sun as it comes in the window. If there's any shadows cast on that white piece of paper and you'll be able to tell what direction the sun's moving and about how much light that window gets. And number five, um, heating systems can dry out your plants. So you do still have to water, water at the base of the plant at, at the top of the soil, but they don't require as much water once they're indoors and also not as much fertilization requirements either because they're not an active growth. Um, But when Mike did call and had concerns of spider mites and things like that, you know, spider mites are going to show those signs of webbing. There's going to be webbing around the leaves and all of that. Um, And I recommended having an insecticidal soap. That's not as easy to apply, but it is. But that's something I always have on standby. But a couple of you in the break reminded me of neem oil. That's just as good. That's a good product to have because it fights mites. It's an insecticide for others. And it's also a fungicide. So we talked about if some of them are showing signs of disease, if it's a fungus, if it's brought on by a fungus, a neem oil is going to kind of cut back all three of those problems. So that's a good 
thing to have on hand as well. All right, 404-872-0750. Down to Henry County we go, and James is up next. Hey, welcome to the show, James. Good morning. How are you doing? Great. How's it going? Fine. Uh, my wife and I were thinking about buying uh, a bunch of mums, and I was concerned. Uh, she was talking about planting them, and I was concerned about. I told her I didn't think it was good to plant them at this time of the year since I found out they were annuals and not perennials. And uh, I was told that I called the Pikes and asked them mm-hmm. if I could bring them in, buy them, and bring them inside and keep them in the pots and in a sunroom and water them and feed them and do whatever, and then plant them in the spring. Would that be the best way to handle them? You know, it is funny because over the years, once I became a homeowner and really got into gardening and plants and things like that, I was so irritated at the thought that mums were annuals because they're so pretty when you buy them in the fall and they're so lush and compact and just full of blooms. Um, But with the right green thumb, James, and any of us could have one, you can make them into perennials. Um, And you being further south uh, of Metro Atlanta, your luck is probably going to be a little bit better. So, yeah, they're going to start to fade now. So I think if you're going to see some mums at the nurseries here in the coming weeks, they may be marked down. Uh, They may be on clearance. But once they start to fade, you can cut mums back shear them back completely to four inches high so you're still going to have a little bit of green stems but you're cutting that whole thing back now keep in mind folks mickey gasway told us this they sell them in such compact shapes you know and i mean the the pots could be huge that they're in they're grown initially with like a, a regulating hormone that keeps them all compact and pretty like that in the next few years as they come back, they're not going to keep that shape. I promise, no matter how hard you try, they're going to be leggy and they're going to be stemmy. They're never going to be as compact as they were, but I still think they're worth keeping. So go ahead and buy them. Once the flowers fade, shear them back to about four inches high, and you could probably put them in the ground. Um, I think that that would be fine, and you can certainly cover it really well with like a nice mulch or pine straw or something like that. Plant them in a sunny garden spot mulch them, you will probably see some leaves and stems start to come up in the spring. Um, And then they're just going to start growing all willy-nilly in the spring and early summer. So there's a couple of things you need to do, James, and you all stay on top of this if you're really serious about it. You want to go ahead and cut some of the stemmy stuff like in May, late May, and you're not going to ruin the blooms or anything like that. And then you may want to shear it again around July. And you're just going to keep those stems with all the leaves at the base and full like the way you're going to want them. But then there's going to be a lot of regrowth by September. And that's when they're going to start to bud out a little bit. And that's when you're going to really want to start to see the flowers. Obviously, it's in the fall, September, October. So do that. Don't feel bad about cutting them once you start to see them sprouting up in May and July, and that gives them plenty of time to set buds for the fall. So you think you could handle that? I think that sounds easy enough. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for calling. And honestly, I have kept mine in pots. Um, and the, the ones that I have in pots during the winter time, I just put them up against the house on the back deck. Like I put them right up against the window, up off the deck, and sometimes have some newspaper laying underneath the pot on top of the little table that I have them on. I've overwintered them fine, but if we do have one pretty severe uh, winter and cold snap this year, 
a lot of moms may not make it. 404-872-0750. Benita up next and coming. Good morning. Good morning. So what's your question? I have a question about Cape gooseberries, Mm -hmm. or they're also known as ground cherries. Mm -hmm. I planted some um, season before last, and the ones that came up this year were volunteers, and they produce so many berries, I have always looked for different ways to use them. And in my reading, I found out that if you eat them too early, they can be poisonous. So that kind of alarmed me a little bit because I love to go out to my bushes and just eat them straight off the bush. Oh. So I was wondering what you know about them. I don't know a lot about that, and I've not heard that, but I trust your research over uh what little knowledge I have about Cape gooseberries for sure. I've always heard Walter over the years say that when the that papery husk is completely dried is like the safest telltale sign of when they're ready to eat. Okay. Well, I have, um, I've probably eaten plenty then that weren't at that stage. <laughs> and you're still with us. Unfortunately, <laughs> I am still with you. Gosh. And also, um, are they... Would they be considered invasive? Because I didn't have any seed saved or anything, and the ones that came up this year were volunteers, and they came up with a vengeance. I'm going to have to check on that, because there's a website that I regularly go to, the Invasive Plant Council's website for Georgia, the Exotic uh, Pest and Plant Council, and they have a list of invasives, and I'm curious, because I don't know off the top of my head, Benita, so give me through the commercial break. I'm going to pull that up and see, because I'd be very curious if they just you know, volunteer here and there. But like you said, if they've come back with a vengeance, they very well could be. And I don't know their origin either. So very good question. Let me look that up. If anybody has any more information as as to the toxicity of gooseberries, let us know. Benita, that's a great question. And also, I do have Pike Nursery coming up here in about 15 minutes. And we are talking about fruiting trees and berry shrubs as far as raspberries, blueberries. I may pick Charles's brain and see what he knows about gooseberries. So that is a very timely question. Thank you so much for the call. We're going to take a break a little early. We'll be right back with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Another update on the Georgia Leaf Watch. Guys, it's getting prime time. It is beautiful. My husband just drove to North Carolina yesterday, and man, the color is really starting to show. We'll be right back. You're listening to WSB. It's Scott Slade. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. Welcome back to the show. 22 minutes after 7 o'clock. And to follow up with Benita's call about uh, gooseberries, I do not see those listed on the uh, invasives list by the Georgia Exotic Pest and Plant Council. So, I don't know if you'd consider yourself lucky, Benita, or not, that they're just growing back with a vengeance. But thanks for the question. I'm glad I looked that up. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, it's going to be breezy afternoon temperatures running 10 to 15 degrees below average. I have only 58 bundle up today, but mostly sunny skies tomorrow and Monday. Highs reaching near 70. So my favorite time of the show, I have many, many favorite times of the show. But here through the month of October and now going into November, we are keeping in touch with the Georgia Forestry Commission with the Georgia Leaf Watch. And just now, this first weekend in November, things are really starting to show out. So back with us is Seth Hawkins. Hey, welcome back. Hey, Ashley. How are y'all this morning? Very good and thrilled because I mentioned a little bit ago, my husband drove up to uh, Murphy, North Carolina yesterday and sent me just beautiful pictures that he had stopped and, and taken on his route 
um, of really, you know, the the leaf change up that way. And in Metro Atlanta, we're finally starting to get a little bit excited about it, too. Um, Back when you and I started doing this, like the second weekend in October, one of the first trees that we saw and commented on were like dogwoods, right? They had that maroon leaf and all of that. But wow, what's really showy right now, Seth? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned dogwood, sourwood, the black gum, uh, tulip poplar, all those early turners are kind of starting to fade out and drop some of their, some of their leaves. But where we're getting this peak color change is because the red maples and the oaks have finally joined the wow. show. They ran a little late on us, but um, they're really bringing in those maroons and that bronzy color and obviously those reds. And the younger red maples are filling in some of that red that the dogwood and sourwood are kind of taking, you know, leaving and dropping off right now. So, Again, those predominant species, the red maples, the oaks are really joining. We're still getting some of the yellows. The hickories are, you know, holding on to their yellows, um, their yellows and stuff. Beach obviously is holding on to his. So, you know, we still got a good multi-level uh, color palette out there going on, especially 2,500, 3,000 feet. Obviously, the higher elevations you go, we are at peak leaf color change right now. So get out there and enjoy it. These freezing temperatures might kind of put a punctuation point on it at the higher elevations. So um, it's probably the best time to get out and enjoy it. I thought about that, too, because we, we could potentially talk to you next Saturday, but it all depends on this coming week. If we have some wind event or some storm or rain, that'll knock a lot of those leaves out. So fingers crossed that the trees will hang on. Um, and I like that you guys give like an estimated percentage of color change. So back when we started this, we were at 15, 20 percent. Kind of where are we now as far as the percentage of the trees that have changed color? Yeah, yeah. So um, if you're up above, you know, 2,500 feet, you're looking at 75% to 100% color change. And um, obviously, if you get above 3,000, 3,500 over Brasstown area and all that, you are at solid peak color change right now. Um, You know, the northwest part of the state obviously doesn't have the elevations, but, um, you know, it it seems to run about the same schedule, even a little lower. But again, up at Cloudland, top of lookout, Fort Mountain, that's where you're going to find your peak color change as well. And now give us like a good route, a good scenic drive. Like you mentioned Brasstown Bald. So what are kind of the highways up there where we're going to have areas to pull over and stop and see this color change? Yeah, you know, um, you know, Highway 180 up there near Suchus is a great drive in that area. Um, you know, Richard Russell Highway is always a crowd favorite. Yeah. Lots of great pictures and elevation change and outlooks and stuff like that. Um, so really anywhere over there that you're going to find a lot of elevation changes and you're going to be climbing up into that elevation around that Brasstown area, you know, moving over, driving over towards Vogel State Park, um, seeing a lot of great pictures come out of there. Um, you know, to go up on Lookout Mountain, check out Cloudland Canyon. You can dip over to Sunset Rock and Point Park and come back down. And I'm um, seeing a lot of great pictures coming out of those drives as well. And Fort Mountain is always a great drive up there. And um, check it around the lake and get out and enjoy the pretty weather. Gosh, wow. Thank you for all of that. Yeah, I mean, football, fall weather, the cooler temperatures, everything in the weekends goes hand in hand like that. I love it. And so yourself and other foresters with the Georgia Forestry Commission, you guys submit photos. Like, I mean, how is that just as you're out there doing your daily tasks, y'all, you know, find good colors and and take pictures? Because I'll share some of those. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've got a team of foresters are up in the mountain, our mountain counties, um, and they kind of this time of year when they're out on their journeys, take some pictures and just take some observations and relay they relay it to us so we can get it out to your listeners. Um, you know, in this next couple of weeks, we might be transitioning our team a little further south down in elevation so we can start capturing some pictures from 
hopefully some of the north metro area and some of the other areas that are kind of further down in elevation but as that color is going to start coming in into our backyards and our parks hopefully oh i can't wait well seth hawkins thank you so much again for joining us i will be sharing some of those pictures here in just a minute we got to take a break check news weather and traffic we'll be back with pike nursery and talking about fruit trees and berry bushes next on wsb It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. You are in the right place. 95.5 WSB, only half an hour to go. That kind of makes me sad. Uh, Green and growing, I'm Ashley Frasca. I'm your host. And off the air a little early today to make way for the Georgia Bulldogs hosting the Missouri Tigers right here on your home of the dogs. Pre-game and tailgate begin at 8 a.m. Kickoff in Athens at noon. And you may have heard Walter Reeves and I mentioned earlier in the show, I love the fact that at halftime, former coach Mark Richt is being honored by University of Georgia Athletics. And I so hope that part is televised or maybe Scott Howard will make mention of it here on the broadcast. But what a deserving man who made such a difference. I think 15 seasons coaching the Bulldogs and close to my heart because that's when I was a student there. And uh, his first year was my first year at the University of Georgia. So congratulations. Well deserved to coach Mark Richt. All right. This time of the show got him on a little early today since we're going off the air at 8 a.m. Pike Nursery along with us to share what is in the nurseries, what to be planting and doing right now and this is such a fun topic we have charles lampkin back with us hey welcome back hey good morning ashley so thanks for joining us an hour early much appreciated are you even at the store yet oh i'm here and thank you for uh fitting me in and your condensed schedule today <laughs> i love it i love it all right charles located at the marietta location um how many metro atlanta area locations do y'all have like 10 to 13 or so i, I don't want to say anything wrong but yeah. you're kind of right it might be around 14 nice all yeah. right so odds are, if you are new to the metro Atlanta area, there is going to be a Pike Nursery near you. Now, if you are listening in faraway places, such as some of you do, Ohio, uh, New York, maybe Florida and South Carolina, don't worry. You get the free information right here and knowledge of the managers of the Pike Nursery locations. And today, Charles, we've got you talking about fruit trees and also burying plants and things that we could plant now and, you know, continue to have harvests for years to come. Where do you want to begin? Let's begin with uh, simple questions of what we may have um, and pollinating and uh, just examples of some of the things we're carrying and, and what's right to plant right now. Nice. Okay, so when we walk into Pike Nursery and we kind of go off over into the, the outdoor stretch over to the side of the store, that's where we'll see a lot of the trees in pots. And what are some of the most common fruit trees that are easy to plant here that do well? You're right. Luckily, all of our edible selections together, whether it's vegetables, berries, or trees. Um, as far as fruit trees are concerned, um, our main staple are apples, peaches, and plums. Uh, we still have a very good selection, and we know over the past couple of years, you know, planting your own your own trees for harvest and yield for your family has been very popular. But it's it, it doesn't have to be a fad. It's it's very important that you are able to understand where food comes from, and uh, that's why we we do have a good uh, supply for our customers. Um, but yeah, so pollinating is very important with with these trees. Um, 
I always recommend getting whatever your space allots, get as many varieties as you can. But if your space is little, you just need to know, um, like example for apples, they're not self-pollinating. You're going to have to have two varieties of apples. Mm -hmm. And so you need to know that when you go into your yard and you're planning on what to plant. Peaches, however, are self-pollinating. Um, so you only need one peach tree if, if you have a little smaller space. Um, plums, again, uh, they do require a pollinator, so always know to plant uh, two trees. Um, and now's a perfect time to plant any of those trees, um, now in spring. Uh, but our soil temperatures are still warm despite the chilly weather this morning. Um, and it, it's... Let's, let's try to get those in the ground while, while our supplies last. I totally agree, Charles, and it is the best time of year to be letting them establish because the roots are going to be able to grow and not really be stressed out by the summer heat or anything like that. Hopefully we'll have ample rainfall that's going to keep those well watered, but be mindful of that. Planting any kind of tree, not just fruit trees, digging that hole more wide than deep. That way the roots, you've loosened up the soil for the roots to grow outward. And also keeping in mind, you know, you mentioned, Charles, whether you only have space for two or maybe a few more, six or seven. Spacing is so important as far as, you know, properly planting trees and taking into account uh, how big they're going to get. But why is that space so important in between trees? Well, because of pollinating in general, you want those trees to be relatively close to each other, but you don't want overcrowding. Overcrowding doesn't allow for proper air circulation and can lead to, to problems down the road. Um, that we, we probably don't have time to discuss today. I don't want to discuss today, but yeah, proper air circulation, proper amounts of light to get into the tree. And, and then the trees actually getting the resources out of the ground and not competing with one another. So definitely, um, talk to your, talk to your, um, your plant experts here at the nursery and make sure, um, you know, what space you have so we can recommend you the right type of tree and, and how to plant those. Nice. Okay, now what's intimidating to me, because I don't have any fruit trees, is the whole pruning technique of how, you know, you kind of need to establish the shape and how they're going to grow initially. So when we buy these from Pike Nursery, like right now, how many limbs do they have on them? Are they tiny, tiny, or are they maybe two or three feet high? What do they look like? Most of our fruit trees are in the six feet and taller range. Good. They, However, they're still pretty immature. So, um Fruit trees are not something that you're going to be rewarded with the next year. So proper pruning, creating a, a flat um, branch, you know, look for, for better surface area for light to hit. Instead of an upright, very skinny tree, you want to have most of those branches grow horizontal. Um, but again, patience, proper fertilizing and pruning, and then maybe in about three or four years, then you will be rewarded. For short rewards, your berries are very, very good plants. Blue Blueberries, raspberries, and blackberries, you're generally going to have a yield within the first year of planting. That is, that is like, yeah, instant reward. And I love the folks that are going to make this commitment to the fruit trees, give it a few years, baby it, take care of it if you really want to commit to that. But yeah, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, um, What's interesting to me is how you buy the blackberries and the raspberries, like the fact that they're vining and what people use trellises and all of that just to kind of keep them in the right shape, right? Right, and you are you are able to do that. 
And luckily, a lot of varieties, newer varieties are, that are coming out right now in the raspberries and blackberries are thornless, so we don't have to worry about the thorns. But there are still some good old-school thorn varieties. So, yes, we can we can trellis those. Um, and a lot of those new varieties, too, are coming more in a bush upright habit, <clears throat> so there's really no need for trellising anymore, too, which has been a little intimidating in the past. That's cool. Okay, and let's talk about blueberries because that is one of the most common and one of the easiest. I mean, I literally put some in pots, oh, I don't know, five years ago on my back deck, and that's where they remain, and I still get blueberries every summer. Um, So you mentioned, Charles, with the fruit trees, you know, what needs to cross-pollinate, whereas a peach can kind of, you know, self-pollination. You don't necessarily need anything else with it. Tell us about blueberries. So so for blueberries, I, I the old adage, you, you do need two or more, is more than likely right, especially for your rabbit eye varieties. These are going to be your larger growing varieties, your your larger fruit, and generally larger yields. You have to have two different varieties of those. A lot of your new hybrid varieties are self-pollinating, and they fall in um, to the high bush um, category. They're generally smaller plants, more compact bushes, and generally a little more ornamental in the fact that they have a better fall look. They get the really deep blue and some of the reds on, on the leaves. However, they still they still fruit. Their, their fruit size is generally a little smaller. But again, those who have to plant in containers or have small areas, they might want to look for these high bush varieties mm-hmm. that are self-pollinating where you don't need to have two or three for better yield. So high bush is common and rabbit eye are common. Those do very well here in Georgia. Pretty low maintenance. I mean, you do need to kind of check your soil every now and then make sure it's the right pH and all of that. Um, so general rule of thumb, Charles, when we're going into the nursery this weekend and we're picking up either a blueberry bush or maybe a peach tree or something, what else do we need to have in the cart to get started? I would definitely, I would definitely go for your starter fertilizer. We have three really good examples and, and products here, a liquid one and, and two granular ones, but that starter fertilizer to really get those roots activated and get stretched out uh, during this proper time of planting. De- and then depending on your type of plant, um, we talked about pH, or you mentioned pH, so blueberries are an acidic-loving soil. Get our bag of Azalea Camellia Gardenia mix oh. for uh, for acid-loving plants. That's going to be fine for your blueberries. Your fruit trees, your peaches, plums, apples, go with our tried-and-true planting mix and incorporate into that soil about about a 50-50 ratio with your, with your native soil when planting. Okay, perfect. And say that I plant this apple tree... And maybe this time next year, it's just not really doing much. Or I'll even know before that. If it literally has not grown and I bump up against it and a limb just breaks off, I think that's probably a good sign that it didn't make it. So I don't know if I did something wrong or maybe I let it dry out too much. But what can I do as far as you guys coming back and being like, help? (laughs) Well, we will give you all the information you need ahead of time to ensure that doesn't happen, <laughs> Pro- proper watering techniques and fertilizing schedules and maybe even some tree stakes to keep it upright. However, uh, here at Pike Nurseries, we have an incredible uh, program for our customers, um, and that is our that is our reward system and also our guarantee on our trees and shrubs. So if your little apple tree doesn't make it, 
You could bring it back into our store. We'll replace it with another tree, apple tree of that cost, or give you a merchandise credit to allow you to shop for something else in our nurseries. That is so cool. And folks, I've actually taken Pike Nursery up on that once before years ago with, um, I think it was a Sky Pencil Holly that I just, it just didn't make it. I babied it. I don't know why, but I'm very organized, Charles. I keep the receipt and I keep the label. That way I keep it in a drawer, like in my garden you know, bench in the garage. I keep labels, the plant labels in my drawer because I just never know when I'm going to have to refer back to them. But I took the receipt right out of there. I took the little label off of the Sky Pencil Holly right out of that drawer. And lo and behold, brought it back with the Sky Pencil Holly to you guys. Total guarantee. No questions asked. I wasn't made to feel stupid. Or how did you kill this? So it very, it is very easy. A lifetime guarantee on trees and shrubs. Charles is telling the truth there. Well, uh, so how can we find out more about where the nurseries are located? Um, go onto our website, and then you can get the exact count of nurseries we have in the metro Atlanta area. I know we stretch from Peachtree City all the way to Becoming and, and Ackworth. Um, follow our Instagram page. We've had an exciting Braves week, so check out some of our uh, our Braves associate pictures from yesterday. All of our associates got to wear Braves gear, so that should be fun for everyone to see. Um, our website, is, again, is full of information and questions you might have on our on our selection. Um, and any of the other outlets as, as far as social media is concerned, we try to reach all branches. Yeah, Pike Nurseries on Instagram. I saw those pictures of y'all in your Braves gear yesterday. That was really cool. Were you in any of those? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna now I'm going to stalk you on Instagram. I'm going to try <laughs> to figure out which one's you because we've never actually met in person. How fun. Well, cool. Well, thank you for joining us, Charles. I appreciate you coming back. And maybe those hungry birds overhead behind you in the background, maybe they're going to swoop down and eat some of the blueberries if there's any left on the bushes in the nursery if we haven't gotten them all already they might find a couple (laughs) (laughs) well have a great morning thank you so much for coming on early thank you ashley have a good day you too be talking to you soon all right we'll be back on wsb it's scott slade host of atlanta's morning news on 95.5 wsb the news weather and traffic team will be here first thing monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed now back to green and growing with ashley frasca on 95.5 wsb atlanta's news and talk Just a couple of more minutes with you. And if I missed your call today, call back next Saturday. Back to three full hours, 404-872-0750. That's the number you can call next Saturday. And then Dave Baker and the Home Fixes Show will be along next Saturday in their normal time. Uh, But today, off the air a little early for the Georgia Bulldogs playing in Athens. Kickoff at noon against the Missouri Tigers. Weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, partly cloudy. It's going to be breezy. High only around 58 low around 36. That's why we're warning you of a frost, some of the tender vegetation and plants you need to bring inside, and the mostly sunny skies tomorrow and Monday. Highs closer to the mid-60s, low 70s. That's kind of where we like to be. So plan some time outside, certainly before the weekend is over. Okay, now it's time to do this. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right. These are things that I've done within the last few days for sure. Number one, apply seven lawn granules to combat grubs, lawn beetles, and other pests still here at the end of the season. That helps deter moles. That was my reasoning in doing it. I'm so sick and tired of stepping in those tunnels and the soft, spongy spots in my lawn, especially trying to put new fescue seed out. It's just really, uh, really not working for me. So mole repellents as well if you're not comfortable using the insecticides. 
uh, Bonides Mole Max, Liquid Fence, Scoop Mole. <laughs> There's all kinds of products with mole in the name. You're on the right track. Number two, keep newly seeded lawns watered. I have been very good about doing that at least an inch a week. And then blow or rake fallen leaves and acorns regularly from those newly planted fescue lawns. They've got to have as much sunlight as they can get. And number three, cut down canna lilies and peony stems, even elephant ear leaves that are starting to fade. I'm going to leave the corms or the bulbs in the ground uh, for my cannas and my elephant ears, hoping that it's not just a super, super harsh winter. They will make it. Um, I'm up in the northwest Georgia area. And a good idea is to cover those areas where the things are still in the ground with a thick layer of mulch or pine straw or something like that. And if you're even a little more cautious, you might want to just take an old garden pot, turn it upside down, kind of stick it into the ground there up over where the freshly cut stem is that you just removed, say, the canna lilies or elephant ears. Um, And that will really keep it insulated for the winter time. If you choose to dig them up, that's fine too. If you know you're going to want to divide them or split them in the spring, you can certainly do that and uh, use some peat moss and uh, perlite in a dry container. All right, time to go. Go dogs. It's been a fun Saturday. You're listening to WSB. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.